0: Perhaps the greatest challenge for us as we approach today's gospel reading from John chapter 3 is not that the passage is unfamiliar, but rather that these words are too familiar. It would be difficult to begin to chart the unique cultural significance of Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus. And it is precisely because the words of their conversation have been so often cited that it is difficult for us to come to the reading of John chapter 3 and to hear these words afresh without getting caught up in our previous acquaintance of them. Instead, it is perhaps too easy for many of us to come to this passage with a feeling of confidence that we already know what it's about. Some of the basic and introductory questions that we would ask of a lesser known passage of scripture are harder for us to access when approaching the third chapter of John's Gospel. On the contrary, the answers to such questions are already there even before we have read a single word, or so we might think. Our own perceived familiarity with this passage gives us a feeling of certainty as we come to its reading. Thus we pray to be unsettled, confounded, and even a bit perplexed as we hear these words again this morning in order that we may discover that we have so much more to learn and to unlearn. May these all too familiar words become unfamiliar to us enough that we may experience more deeply and more fully what they have to say to us. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, and also verses 34 and 35, reading as well from the Common English Bible Translation. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Judean leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born. Isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it is not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows wherever it wishes you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. It is the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, How are these things possible? Jesus answered, You are a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The one whom God sent speaks God's words because God gives the Spirit generously. The Father loves the Son and gives everything into his hands. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, reveal your word to us this day that we might have life in your name. Amen. Nicodemus, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a smart man, having dedicated himself to the lifelong study of Scripture. He, along with his friends and colleagues, is committed to the renewal and vitality of God's people and to the enacting of daily rituals and virtues and practices that he believes will lead God's people to an embodiment of the righteousness and holiness that God has commanded in covenant with the people of Israel. And like many smart people, Nicodemus has figured out how to gather information, how to study, how to learn, how to ask questions, Questions and how to answer questions, making deductions from the evidence that is presented to him, as well as synthesizing his analysis of the evidence into categories that are easy to understand, and to explain, and to remember. As a young man, Nicodemus studied with the best and the brightest teachers of his generation. And having risen through the ranks of influence and leadership, Nicodemus has arrived at the place in his life when he is looking now to the next generation as those whom he can educate and mentor and encourage and support. Nicodemus is not a selfish man. Instead, he recognizes that it is his duty to make use of his his privileged position to open doors for others, sharing wisdom with the youth of his day and looking for those whom God is calling into the ministries that he has given his own life in order to build and to sustain. When Nicodemus inconspicuously arrives at night in the hopes of meeting with Jesus He exudes the confidence needed to carry out what he wishes to accomplish, seeing himself as a kind of mediator with authority, trying to build a bridge between Jesus and the formal religious leaders of his day. Nicodemus no doubt comes to the meeting with a plan. He knows what he wants to say and how he wants to say it and he anticipates what he believes Jesus will answer in response. In many ways, Nicodemus arrives at his meeting with Jesus similar to the way that we arrive at our reading of this familiar passage. Well prepared and seemingly in control, not expecting to learn anything new, not expecting to hear anything that we haven't already heard before. You may have noticed that Nicodemus is the first to speak in their exchange, and he cuts to the chase right from the start with a declaration that he assumes will satisfy any mistrust on the part of Jesus. Rabbi, he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, For no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus probably leads with this declaration because at the end of the previous chapter, the Jewish leaders called Jesus' authority into question. And since Nicodemus himself is known to possess a distinguished reputation, he likely assumes that Jesus will be put at ease by his generous compliments. Rather than challenge Jesus, Nicodemus affirms Jesus' credibility as one who teaches, right from the start. And what is more, he claims to have already figured out who Jesus is. Though as we continue reading chapter 3, we learn that Jesus is eager to tell Nicodemus something that he does not already know. Nicodemus is used to distinguishing through the rigors of study that which is of God and that which is not of God. And such a practice is surely valuably important for making decisions about everyday life. But Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus about the making known of the very presence and character of the divine the uncovering of the unfathomable mysteries of life itself, a reality that cannot be perceived. It can only be revealed. We cannot come to know God unless God is first willing to be made known. Jesus' message to Nicodemus is that God is filled with an exceeding desire To make God's self known. And that is why Jesus tells Nicodemus a story. And this is the story. I bet you know it. God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son so that everyone who believes in Him, who places their trust in Him, will not perish but will have eternal life. God loves. God gives. And by this loving and giving, there is a new beginning. The eternal word of God became a human being and lived among us by whose life God's love is made known to us, and by whose death we have come to know what it means that his life gives life to the world. The love of God made known to us in Christ does not fit neatly within our framing of the world in all its certainties and presuppositions and that is because the love of God in Christ is not simply another data point to be processed and categorized and analyzed, but the frame itself, that through which the world exists and is given meaning. Everything came into being through the word And without the word, nothing came into being that came into being. In the word was life, and the life was the light of all people. No part of creation is left untouched by the word of God's self-giving love. And this changes everything. That is why it is written in John chapter 1, to those who believe in his name, he gives power to become the children of God, born not from blood nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. To be born anew is to live our lives in trust that this story, God's story, has become our very own not because we have somehow figured it out, but because the God who loves the world has sought and found us. It is the discovery that we live in a world that God so loves. And it is trust in the sufficiency of this love that enables us to live in a world that has already been redeemed because our God is willing to give of God's own self, God's very life and breath and body and love to us. The love of God made known to us in Christ is not merely an event, but rather the fulfillment of the world that God so loves. The world has been created and is given meaning through this love. And love is the meaning of our lives because love is both the person and the purpose for which our God has created us. To live a life in trust that God so loved the world in Jesus Christ is to live with an ever-deepening conviction that God is constantly reaching out in our direction. The wind of the Spirit is always blowing somewhere, instilling love inside of the intricacies of every life and holding the whole of creation together, not banishing any of God's creatures into obscurity or lessening the value of any one of them or us for the sake of another. And if we are willing, God's love as the ground of our being and life together grows in us daily and stretches us to cultivate the practices of unity and togetherness, whereby we learn to treat one another with reverence, nurturing the bonds of interdependence and community. And since we each live and rely upon the same love, it is also given that we would become as signs of love for one another living reminders of the fullness of life each of us has received as a gift. Nicodemus is mystified by Jesus' insistence that he be born anew. Although it is no surprise because to be born anew is a way of starting life all over again. It is a new beginning one that cannot be deduced by our learning or achieved by our successes. To be born anew is something that we are incapable of making happen by ourselves. It is a gift of the Spirit, Jesus says, much like the wind that we can feel upon our faces. It comes and goes And though we cannot often see it, it is still that we can sense and we can remember that we have been in the presence of the divine. Why is this important? It is important because it reveals for Nicodemus that his own desire for the things of God go beyond what he already knows of God. Nicodemus is accustomed to building new knowledge on top of what he already understands. But Jesus' words to him uncover the possibility that God is capable of acting upon his life in ways that he cannot so easily anticipate and predict, in ways that he has never sensed or experienced before. Because salvation is not the embracing of God. It is the awareness that God in Christ is embracing us. It is the awareness that God in Christ is embracing you. As we continue in this season of Lent, let us not be afraid to express the desire to grow in the awareness and trust that God's love made known to us in Jesus is bigger and deeper and more beautiful and precious than we have experienced before. Let us be willing to express our longing for the maturing of God's faithful love in us, letting go not only of our past mistakes, but also of our past assurances, our pretensions, and achievements. Let there be nothing to come between a genuine desire to grow in trust toward God's love for the world. In order that our lives and decisions and relationships with one another would more fully reflect the sufficiency of divine love toward us all. And when we are stuck, we sometimes are stuck or feeling lost. Where there is hurt or despair or where there is hardness of heart, may God's love in us, beyond our knowing, beyond our ability, create the space, however small it may be, to begin again. In the name of Jesus, amen.